Hello, Mike Baxter here again with Strategy Distilled Newsletter from March 2022, my monthly concoction of insights, learning and things you might have missed about strategy. So this month, strategy destination or strategy aspiration, a whole bunch of questions that I'm commonly asked about strategy and a few snippets that you might have missed. So let's go for it. Strategy destination or strategy aspiration. So a challenge at the heart of any strategy is to how to label where your strategy is going. And when I wrote the strategy manual, I described this where is your strategy going issue in two different ways. First, I said that one of the key objectives of strategy was to commit the organization to a future destination. Secondly, I proposed that a key part of strategy scoping was to define your new strategy in terms of its aspirations. So, how do we best describe where your strategy is going? Is it better thought of as destination or aspiration? Now, one important factor can, to consider in answering this question is that strategy can be described in terms of a direction rather than a destination. The terms trajectory or path are sometimes used instead of direction. In other words, strategy can sometimes commit to how we will strive to get somewhere rather than where we're going to strive to get to. So, an example. My strategy might be to increase investment in research, innovation and product development. This is definitely a means rather than an end, a direction more than a destination. Of course, this direction could be translated into a destination. So, for example, by means of increased investment in research, innovation and product development, I aim to lead the market in how rapidly I launch new products. However, requiring strategy to be defined in terms of a destination may be a step too far. It might actually be an unwise forcing function in some circumstances. Launching more new products than my competitors is one possible destination, but improving the product market fit of my existing products might be another. In some cases, it might be more judicious to leave strategy defined in terms of direction. Aspiration perhaps comes to a rescue here. We can aspire to either a destination or a direction for our strategy. It would also align us with some pretty illustrious company, A.G. Laffley and Roger Martin, in their book, Playing to Win, How Strategy Really Works, locate strategy aspiration front and centre of their model. They say, for example, what is your winning aspiration? The purpose of your enterprise, its motivating aspiration. They also say, winning aspiration sets the frame for all other decisions. Aspirations are statements about the ideal future. At a later stage in the process, a company ties those aspirations to some specific benchmarks that measure progress towards them. Okay, so there is just one word of caution to heed in relation to strategy. It can be used in two distinct ways. Firstly, there is visionary aspiration. What is our vision? Where do we want to be ultimately? How do we see the world when our work is done? And then, the one we're interested in, there is strategic aspiration. Where will the strategy take us at the end of the prescribed time period of the strategy? A three-year or a five-year strategy, for example. What is our ideal future state at this defined time in the future? 
So at the end of all this, what are my own rules for defining where strategy is going? Number one, if you can definitively and confidently define a strategy destination, do so. It provides a clear endpoint for strategy with stopping rules so you'll know when you've arrived and KPIs against which you can measure your progress. For some strategies, however, this is point two, this will be a step too far. The only thing you may be certain of is your direction of travel. And to force yourself to commit to a particular destination may prematurely rule out alternative destinations. In which case, stick to a strategy direction. And point three, if you're not sure which is going to apply to your own strategy, perhaps because you haven't resolved it sufficiently yet, talk about strategy aspiration because that can be either a destination or a direction. Make sure, however, in this case, that you don't confound visionary aspiration with what you're actually wanting to do, which is strategic aspiration. Okay, here are 12 strategy questions that I'm frequently asked about strategy. And here are the models that I typically reach for to try to help answer them. The first one, we need a new strategy, but where do we start? Now, this is a great question. Starting in the wrong place with your strategic thinking can cost you a lot of wasted time. My go-to starting point is always to ask the three questions in the value model of strategy. First, what value do you deliver to the world and how could you do this differently in future? Secondly, what is it that you do in order to deliver that value? And how could you do this more effectively in the future? Thirdly, how do you manage your inputs and outputs to ensure your value delivery is profitable? And how could you do so more efficiently in future? Second question, how do we draw a line between strategy and business as usual? This is a question that ought to be asked a lot more than it actually is and I developed the boundary model of strategy specifically to help answer it. Question three, do we really need clear separation between our strategy and our strategic plan? Yes, yes, and yes again. And the separation model of strategy starts to explain why. How do we make sure our vision, mission, and strategy are complementary, but still well aligned? Okay. I'll be honest, that's not the question I'm actually asked, but it should be. A great foundation for any new strategy is to have vision and mission doing the different jobs they're meant to whilst being nicely aligned. And the House of Strategy model presents this graphically and provides a template to either analyse your existing vision, mission and strategy or to devise new ones. Question five. How do we get everyone to take the long view and see the entire strategy process from conception to completion? As of last month's newsletter, we have two ways of answering this. Our original strategy lifecycle model highlights the cyclical nature of strategy, whereas last month's triple diamond model of strategy emphasizes the three cycles of creative thinking that make up the strategy process. Take a look at both and decide which suits your purpose best. 
Question six, how do we make sure our strategic thinking has been deep enough and creative enough? Framing is a good answer. It sets your strategic thinking in a new context and in doing so, injects sources of creativity into that strategic thinking. It stimulates divergent thinking by frame stretching and then convergent thinking by frame setting. The futures cone can also provoke useful discussion. Question seven, how do we make sure our various strategy initiatives align effectively and join up across our organization? This is my favorite question because it's really done well and it is so much easier to do than most people imagine, provided it's built into your strategy process from the start. Learn more by watching the three minute video or exploring the cascade model of strategy and strategy mapping. And once you've built your strategy map, validate it by checking that all the goals are necessary and sufficient for strategic success using the sanity check model. How do we check if your draft strategy is good enough? Well, the strategy design model provides a checklist of the eight features every good strategy ought to have. How do we ensure that our strategic plan is resilient and agile enough? The pyramid model of strategy adaptation helps you check that your sense-making, decision-making and change-making are all good enough to ensure your plan remains adaptable. Question 10. How can we get everyone across the organisation actively engaged with and willingly committed to our new strategy? The simple answer is to have lots and lots of strategy adoption conversations. And the H model of strategy adoption sets out how to do them well. Remember, strategy adoption needs ongoing support. So check you've got all the necessary elements in place using the goal adoption support model. Question 11, how do we get key performance indicators to work for strategy? I'd have to admit that most of the times I get asked this question, it turns out the problem is not actually to do with KPIs. It's more to do with goal definition and goal alignment, which need to be well resolved first if our strategy KPIs are going to aggregate up to a summative indicator of strategic success. Provided the goal structure is resolved, the AMP model will steer you towards good KPIs. And finally, question 12. How do we align our management of risks with our management of strategy? Firstly, recognize what the strategic risks are. And you can see the strategic risk model and risk register for how to do that. Next, categorize the different ways of dealing with them and you can use the VACU model for that. Then prioritize the risks and plan how to manage them and you can use the PRISM model for that. As always, with any of these questions, if you want to chat about any of them in any more detail, I'd be happy to have a chat with you. Finally, some snippets on strategy you may have missed. So I just posted on Twitter one thing that every strategist needs to accept is the territory changes faster than the map. Now, if that doesn't grab you immediately, here's the thinking behind it. The expression, the map is not the territory, has some big name intellectuals attached to it, including René Magritte, Lewis Carroll and Gregory Bateson. 
Essentially, it means that a model of something is not the same as the thing itself. Strategy is merely a representation of the organisational change we seek to bring about. It's not actually the change itself. For strategy to have impact, we need to translate the words on paper into real-world action by real-world teams. And if we now go on to say that the territory changes faster than the map, we're acknowledging that changes on the ground are going to run ahead of the changes we make to strategy. So we need to make sure that our strategic plan continuously adapts to real-world changes as they occur. Second snippet, gaining control. I picked up several gems from Rob Estrethino's 21 Slices to End 2021, but my favourite is number five, which he called Control. And by the way, this is the lesson for strategy I took from his post, not a quote from what he actually said. So, what would it take for you to feel in control? And once in control, what would you want to change? And what impact would you want that change to deliver? Now, I think that is just a great set of questions to weave into discussions on strategy. And where I'd plan to use these is firstly, during early engagement on the development of a new strategy, and secondly, during strategy adoption conversations. What a hugely empowering way to get people involved in the whole strategic process. And final snippet is on strategic resilience. McKinsey published a useful exhortation to organisations to move from risk management to strategic resilience. This is what they said. In the past, risk management focus was on a small number of well-defined risks, primarily financial risks. Now, risk is encompassing a broader mandate of resiliency management. It is woven into long-term strategy development at top organisations, helping companies navigate a far more dynamic operating environment. So have a read if you want to dig more deeply into strategic resilience. And that's it for this month. If you want to talk about anything, if you want to get in touch, just drop us a line and we can talk more about anything included in this newsletter. Hope it was useful. See you next month.